Hey, Northgate family. It's uh, Gabe from Paris, and I just wanted to welcome you to this week's edition of Virtual Church, and just wanted to say that I've been watching the virtual churches, and they've been a real blessing to me to see everyone back home and missing everyone, but I wanted to start today with a psalm, um, Psalm 36, starting in verse 5 and to verse 10. Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great mountains. Your judgments are a great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. How precious is your loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of your wings. They are abundantly satisfied with the fullness of your house. And you give them drink from the river of your pleasures. For with you is the foundation of life. In your light we see light. O oh, continue your loving kindness to those who know you, and your righteousness to the upright in heart. And that passage has really just been speaking to me over the last week about God's power, about his, yeah, his control over everything, and even in this season, where the world is in chaos, God is still faithful, he's still in control, and his mercies are new every single morning for us. And just wanted to encourage you with that, and I hope that you enjoy church today. I don't know what's in store, but hopefully you're all doing well, staying safe, and God bless. Thank you.
Good morning, morning Northgate, Northgate, and happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. Uh, we're thankful for you, and uh, we hope you have a wonderful day today. We have a couple of changes to our Zoom meetings this week. Actually, one change. Um, the Sunday night group usually meets on Sunday night with Jim and Catherine Tizik is changing to Thursday night. So um, those of you who, there's always a chance to join in. Those of you who have been coming out on Zoom on Sundays are now meeting on Thursdays. Um, also, we wanted to let you know that um, if you haven't had a chance to get your memory work in, you get another week to keep memorizing and work away at it. Um, maybe you can even do more than four in, in a week. Um, so we're still taking uh, videos of your memory work and you'll still get a sweet treat if you send us a video. So get those in and we'll be excited to see them. Yeah, we're extending because we only got two, so maybe it's a little encouragement. <laughs> yeah, we should do it too. Uh, but on a more serious note, this week we lost a dear friend and member of our Northgate community. Uh, on Friday at um, 6.30, Ralph Greenhorn passed away in his home with his daughters and David, who cares for him. And Ralph was a precious member almost from the beginning of the Northgate Church, and he came and has been a blessing to us. We had the privilege of ministering to Ralph and baptizing him when he was 80, 80 years old. And Ralph was always an encourager and precious to our family in the ministry. Um, he definitely cared for us and he cared for so many people. And I think they would have the same testimony that Ralph was uh, always giving an encouraging word, saying a joke, or even just giving of himself for us. And just so many memories of Ralph. And if you're new to the church, I feel a little sad that you never got to meet Ralph, but uh, he hasn't been at church for a good six months to a year because his physical condition worsened. But it was a joy to pray with Ralph uh, the day before he passed and to be with David and his daughters. Um, so if you would remember this week to pray for Ralph's family as they grieve, pray for David and uh, all uh, that he is experiencing as well. But uh, we did make a little video to celebrate Ralph. Um, at Northgate we are a younger congregation so very rarely have we lost someone in our midst who's been precious to us, a part of the body. So we want to make a little video to celebrate Ralph, to remember Ralph, and uh, just to be thankful to. We know Ralph's in heaven, he loved Jesus, he's in a better place, and we're so thankful for that. The hope we have uh, that we'll be with Jesus when it's our time. And uh, precious in the Lord's sight is the death of his saints, and that's how we feel. But we're going to miss Ralph. We loved you, Ralph, and... Uh, just enjoy this video now.
wants oh, to Oh, it won't go in. Did it go in? It was all around my face. You just had to pump it. I did. I I shot him in the face. <laughs> Dad, I'm so sorry. I bet you are. I am. Your head's not too bad. Oh, what? blame him. I didn't do it. I didn't do anything last time, did I? No. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do this. Do we get to keep the cage here? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I got in. That's it. <laughs> You feel better? Oh, wonderful. <laughs> make you want to cluck like a chicken? Oh, just wonders to the system. Has the chicken gone? It's <coughs> molting. <laughs> it's molting. <laughs> <coughs> Do you have a fur ball? No. Got the freaking thing in my throat. <laughs> Crazy old man. <laughs> you are so odd. Glad isn't I... she, she is, isn't she? Yeah, she is. Good morning, Northgate and friends this Sunday morning. Joy to be with you. We want to get into God's Word and to work our way continually through this letter to the Corinthians written by Paul to the church. So we'll pray and then we'll get going. So Lord, we just pray for the teaching of your Word this morning. Holy Spirit, may you empower it to teach us, to help us to grow. May our ears be open. Yeah, our hearts soft, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your precious name. Amen. As usual, just an encouragement, and I'm sure you do, but if you, <laughs> I guess the challenge to watch this all the way through, as I said last week, it's, it's really easy to start something and finish, but so the Holy Spirit can work. It might be better to take in one lump than two or three. 
Um, so 1 Corinthians, last week we looked at chapter 1. We looked at the church. We know it was a southern Greek city, uh, economically thriving. Uh, we know there was lots of immorality. We know Paul came, second missionary journey, started this fellowship. Jews denied him, but the Gentiles were quick to accept him, and the Lord did an amazing work. He was there for a year and a half and uh, then left because of pressure of the the Jews who are persecuting him, but God did an uh, amazing work. So last week we talked about the beginning of the letter and how Paul is laying that foundation, that foundation of Christ's work and how that makes us saints. He's claiming his apostleship to work to correct them, but even before he does that, he shows them who they are in Christ and that Christ will present them without blame. And so we were encouraged by grace and again and again, we need that foundation in our life. But today we're going to begin in verse 10. And we're going to talk about the first issue he's going to really put some energy into in that church, which need to be corrected. And there were divisions and factions, and uh, he wanted unity. So let's read and see what he has to say here, starting in verse 10 of chapter 1 of the book of 1 Corinthians. He says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and there, there be no divisions among you, that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul. Or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Verse 13, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I had baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanos. Beside, I do not know whether I baptized any, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with words of wisdom, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So I just want to turn the page as well to continue to read on this issue as he's addressing it in chapter 3, verse 1, where he says this, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food from until now you were not able to receive it and even now you are still not able for you are still carnal for where there are envy strife divisions among you are you not carnal and behaving like mere men for when one says i'm of paul or another i am of apollos are you not carnal who then is paul and who is apollos but ministers through whom you believe as the Lord gave to each one, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. And we'll stop there this morning. So obviously we see Paul is addressing something he's heard. He's in Ephesus, by the way, when he's writing to the Corinthians, and probably not a huge journey to get there. So those of Chloe's household, those who are a part of the church, don't know exactly who, but they're sharing with Paul that there's problems in the church. There's divisions. It says, 
very clearly that people are clicky, um, they're arguing, they're fighting, uh, probably declaring that uh, one in the church is better than another, or I'm following their personality, or what they say, uh, and it's causing a real problem, and Paul hears of this, which makes us think that, you know, when we're divided, it's obvious. It's, it's obvious to many. Probably it's obvious to those looking on more so than to us. But the challenge is real because God doesn't want us to be divided, and it doesn't bear any fruit. Not only does this happen in our local church with strong personalities, it happens Obviously, in the body of Christ, there's so many divisions and different churches and different names. And when I say we're Northgaters, or there's Baptists, or there's Pentecostals, or whatever flavor, and we're chasing after a certain secondary doctrine or person that carries weight with us. And for some reason, we tend to think that we are better than others. And that is a fighting point, an arguing point, but it never leads to growth. And so Paul is pleading with them, asking them there at the beginning of the letter, after he shared the foundation of who they are, he's saying to them, listen, guys, this is not how you're supposed to be living. This isn't helping anyone. This isn't helping you. And you see the names mentioned, and they certainly are different personalities. We look in our Bible that Paul, probably the uh, head founder of this church, very intellectual, uh, excellent writer, uh, a way to explain things with words. The New Testament tells us probably not the same in person. But then you have Apollos in person, who the scripture would tell us in the book of Acts is an excellent communicator, not necessarily a writer, very charismatic, very uh, wise, very uh, quick to share words and and much power in the way he communicated. And then you have Peter, who's probably the founder of the church in general, the rock, as Jesus would call him, influential role in Jerusalem, and probably had been there as well. And people were following him and stating maybe that he was a man of faith and more practical than the other two. So we're going to follow him. And then you had another group who said, oh, I can't believe you guys are actually doing this. Uh, Jesus... Uh, uh, is the only way, and they're putting them down and not living humbly with them. And so we have these different categories and how easily that we can do the same thing. Oh, I like this person's teaching, or I like this person's personality, or I lean that way because I'm like them, or I lean this way because uh, I'm like them. And obviously God has made different personalities and different leanings uh, in how we instruct people, but it doesn't mean that we separate because of these things. And that's what's happening exactly in the book of 1 Corinthians. And actually, Paul would call them babies. And so I named this little teaching this morning, Let's Not Be Babies. Uh, it's time to grow up. And that's exactly in chapter 3 what he's saying. Like, listen, you're still on milk. You're not eating solid food. And you're carnal, meaning you're fleshly, meaning... Um, you're operating in the flesh as Christians. You're not maturing. And the sign of this is that there's envy, strife, and divisions. I know for much of my life, I probably acted at times as a carnal, fleshly Christian because some of these words, I would say, were a part of my life. And I had to learn the hard way in regards to 
this is not what God wants. And as I was thinking about this and the key to change this idea of divisions, as I looked at scripture and I looked at the experience of my own life is we need to be walking in humility. I really believe that pride destroys unity because what pride does is it lifts what we think, who we are, above others. It gives us some idea to think that we are better because who we are. But humility totally crashes that. This isn't the only place in the New Testament where Paul has to correct and deal with these issues, and pride is probably the number one reason. We look in Ephesus in chapter 4, where Paul clearly says to the, the church, I beseech you to be what you're called to be. You need to walk in lowliness, gentleness, um, long-suffering, and to keep the unity of peace. So that's what he's saying to, to that church, because he knows it's going to be a problem. So he says, listen, you need to keep the unity in the spirit of peace. I love how it says in the spirit, because Christ lives in all of us through his Holy Spirit. So we're connected, we're unified in the spirit. But what's going to happen as we're mature is we have to unify in humility, in elevating others greater than ourselves, um, choosing to esteem others. And sometimes that's not easy. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. But we have the example of Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. And we just studied that for the last three months. But in chapter 2, how Jesus was humble and obeyed his father and became nothing and was obedient. And that attitude that should be in us, that attitude of Christ, the attitude of the Holy Spirit, was to esteem others better than ourselves. And that is the bottom rock truth to create unity in our church, in the body of Christ, to create unity in our families, to create unity in our marriages, to move forward is to esteem others better than ourselves, to put their interests above our own. But often we struggle with pride and, and selfishness, and we think we deserve something, or we think that we've earned something, or we think in some way it's about us or our name as we read and what about me? What about my needs? And I, I know, I think, I think that way. And God has had to humble me to show me that that bears no fruit. And Jesus, our example, makes it very, very clear. So I want to challenge you today, as Paul is challenging us and me, it's time to grow up. It's our desire to see fruit it's our desire to see maturity. It's our desire to see the Spirit work in our lives. But we have to choose to humble ourselves. We have to choose to exalt others. Well, thinking about this and thinking about my life, and often we connect with stories, is um, I think I've been a very prideful person in, in a lot of areas of my life. And I don't know if that's because I was searching for my identity and I had to exalt myself or whatever 
that was. But I know when I came here to Canada or even before, I always thought, you know, because maybe I experienced something a certain way that that was the only way. And my way was the best way. And I fought for secondary truths. And I thought maybe because, yeah, like the Lord was with me and I experienced him that you couldn't experience him your way. You needed to experience him my way. And how silly that is that I can remember coming to Canada and yeah, believing that, hey, my way is going to work. I've experienced God, that God is going to just bless my ministry. I figured it out and I don't need anyone's help. Like uh, I was so confident and so proud uh, in my mid thirties. I always say to people in your twenties, you're pretty zealous. You think you know a lot in your thirties. Yeah, you do too, and even more so, but you start to realize through experience that you need people. Your way isn't always the right way. And I remember coming and thinking, you know, I don't need the other churches. I don't need other Christians. I'm going to put up a sign, and yeah, my awesome preaching was going to attract everyone, and the way I did ministry. I was in for a rude awakening. I remember those first couple of years, the cottage when... I couldn't attract, I used to say, a black fly in May to a to a Bible study. And there was no real success, but yet I didn't want to join with other people. I thought I had it, and I thought their secondary theologies were wrong. And I can tell I could tell you why the Pentecostal church was wrong, and I could tell you why the Baptist church was wrong, and I could tell you why the Free Methodist Church didn't have it right, but I I had the right way. Well, Obviously, wasn't that silly and immature, but it stuck with me for quite a while. And I would say in the last five years, God gently led me through this process of completely humbling me. You see, what happened in my way being the right way and no one would ever be upset with me and it would always work out is people did start to get upset with me. People uh, did start to question my secondary truth theology, my doctrine, my ministry, my name, uh, the way of doing things. Actually, people got really mad with me. And sometimes, yeah, honestly, it was my fault. Sometimes it wasn't. But what it did do in those times, it was so painful and difficult. But in that brokenness, it brought forth humility. What happened was, and maybe you experienced this in your life, is no, it's not about me, and no, I can't do it, and no, my way isn't the only right way. And that brokenness, that humility brought forth a need for God's grace. And so in those times, I can remember being so broken, getting letters or people writing things to me or disagreeing with me or being angry or how you did this and you did that, and I don't blame them. Like I said, I'm sure I did my share of wrong things, and I've been learning. But in that humility, you just cry out to God, and you realize, God, I can't do this. And sometimes I don't want to do this, but God, I can't do this. And then he sends his grace, his unmerited favor, and he lifts you up, and he shows you, well, it's not about you anyways. It's about me. I'm the one who works. I'm the one who brings increase. It's not your church. It's not your way. It's not, um, yeah, your name. It's me. 
It's completely me. And when you receive that and understand that, I love the book of James in chapter 4, verse 6, that he gives more grace to the humble. So what happens is because of the brokenness and you understand, I, I can't do it. My way is not the right way. And he's gentle to do that for you. He gives you more and more and more grace. And then I think as James would say, and as we would know in our personal experience, you're way more apt to give grace when you've experienced grace. When you live in humility, you're not thinking of your way, but you're quickening God's grace to esteem others, to be patient with others, to be gentle with others. And I think God has been so faithful, especially over the last two years, to show me his grace then I was able to give grace and reach out and desire to be in ministry with other churches, with other Christians. That, hey, we're all on the same team. And actually, you might do this better. And I don't need to do it. And I don't need to do it my way. I remember many times in the last couple of years thinking, well, why don't we uh, do a summer VBS and not that that's wrong, that's great, but it came to my mind quickly, you know, they do great VBSs at other churches, and there's a lot of them, and they love God, and they love children. Why don't you encourage the church to go to those VBSs? And, you know, little things like that, like, we can come together, and how special it has been, but it only came through brokenness, and I know that God blesses that. I know that in a sense, it releases the spirit to do a deeper work in our lives in the community. And Jesus, when he humbled himself, God says that he was exalted. And I think the same is for us as we take that lower seat in humility, in our families, in our marriage, in our churches, in the body of Christ, that God will lift us up, that God's spirit will break through in amazing ways. I think of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. It says they were there in one accord and the Spirit then could come and really fall upon them. And I read of renewals and revivals and what happens in history as churches humble themselves and come together and unify. God's Spirit has a way to work maybe that it couldn't before. And it's so exciting and I look back at my life and some of my greatest ministry experiences, and I have no idea why, I've been blessed at Northgate, but some of them have been with other churches. I can remember speaking at different camps and um, one in Muskoka in that Silver Lake and people I would never know or maybe never fellowship with. And yet they believed and God used me. And in that unity of fellowship, it's like his spirit came in amazing ways. I'm so thankful. I was so thankful. And as I look back, I, I really believe unity is a part of that. I think of my work at the Christian high school where there are many different churches represented, but Jesus Christ is the center and, and Jesus is bringing the increase. And, you know, a couple of years, how the Holy Spirit met us and spoke to us and challenged the students in a way I never could. And I just think it's so amazing that it was a unified group. I look now and before COVID, our unity worship services and, and gathering the churches. And 
they see something really cool happening. We also look at Pray for Lanark, where five are different churches are represented, that people are praying all across the board. It doesn't matter if you're from Northgate or if you're Pentecostal or Baptist. People are praying. We're not trying to prove our way or our secondary doctrine is bigger or better because I think that just will isolate in the long run and we can have our truth and we can be correct in our truth, but it's not going to lead to life. And that's it. You know, Paul, he planted, Apollos watered. Everyone has a purpose. Everyone's a part of the body. But it's the Lord that brings the increase and God that does the work. And his cross, as we see in chapter one, is the central point of all we do. That Jesus came, died and rose again. And there's so much power. And we need to connect on those things and in humility lift each other up and as we exalt people even to our own pushing down we're going to see God move I hope that you don't have to learn the hard way like I've learned it can be really painful and sometimes God allows things to happen then to show you a greater truth but maybe today the Holy Spirit would show us and maybe as Paul or the Holy Spirit is pleading with us that we could be different. And I just really believe God's doing a work in Lanark County. Some of my closest friends in ministry now are Lewis and Brent and Doug and Carlton Place. Um, I don't have to go to a convention somewhere of supposed like-minded Christians in my denomination. And not that that's bad, I'm not saying that. But I have fellowship here where I minister with people in other churches with the same vision and the same desires. And God is working, and I'm so excited. But maybe you need unity in your homes. And I encourage you to humble yourself and watch God work. It will be hard. Maybe there's someone in the church that has a different personality than you. I'm not talking about offense. That's a different kind of unity. We haven't talked about forgiveness. Obviously that's involved, but that's not what I'm talking about today. It's personality and different secondary doctrines or the way we do ministry. We don't want to separate ourselves. We want to work together for Jesus. But maybe there's someone you know and you need to humble yourself. But let's be excited about what God's doing and let's continue to pray for it. Because he is going to release his spirit for his glory. And I am so excited. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. I pray, God, that you would bring unity. That we would live in humility. That we would continually let go of our name, our way, and seek after you. Lord, may Northgate. Be a church that seeks to honor and lift up other ministries that are proclaiming the name of Jesus. God, would you give us the ability maybe to be glue in the middle of situations to network people together. Lord, we pray for our county that as we're unified in Jesus, that your Holy Spirit will come and do amazing things. And we give you praise for what you've done. 
and we give you praise for what you're going to do. God, you are so faithful. Thank you for your word today. Thank you for the lessons. Lord, forgive us for when we've been babies and help us to grow up for your glory. We pray this in your precious and your holy name. Amen. Well, I'm not the only one who believes in unity, and I wanted to show you, we made a little video of some of the other pastors in town who are so excited about what's going on, and uh, I wanted to show that to you. I just asked them to say a little bit and what it means to pray together, what it means to be unified. So I hope you enjoy it and get excited for what the Lord's doing. Once again, have a great week and happy Mother's Day. Be blessed, mothers. Be honored. And we'll see you sometime this week on screen. Hello, my name is Brent Russett, and I'm the pastor at Asbury Free Methodist Church. One of the best definitions I know of what is a Christian is those in whom Christ dwell. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with, with one another. We have fellowship. That is the spiritual reality. That is the truth. Of course, sometimes the reality on this world doesn't conform to the spiritual reality. Sometimes Christians don't seem to have fellowship with one another. I've only been in Perth here for a year and a half, but one of the real blessings I've, I've experienced is that, in fact, that spiritual truth is becoming a reality where uh, different churches from around this town are connecting with each other and the, the pastors from, from these churches are connecting with each other in, in a way where uh, their spirit resonates with my spirit and I think my spirit resonates with their spirit. We see Jesus in each other. We have fellowship with one another. And I believe that whenever our uh, reality in this world conforms to uh, the, the heavenly reality, the God unleashes his blessing. I am so thankful for the unity in, in this town because it does something for me. I'm so thankful for Pastor Lewis and uh, for his, his friendship, for Pastor Dan and his friendship. It just uh, it makes a big difference in ministering in this area. So uh, uh, blessings on you people. Good morning, my friends at Northgate. I was thinking today when I was outside just working in the yard, I was thinking about unity. And a unity that comes when I don't think of myself as better than someone else. But instead, I forget all but Jesus Christ. There's no greater unity than when you and I can see Christ in each other. Nothing beats that. God bless your day. Bye. Hi, um, my name is Louis Massarelli. I'm the pastor at our Glad Tidings Church here, um, just outside of Perth, right behind Hinton Dodge. Hey, we as a church family, Glad Tidings, have been so excited that there has been unity among uh, a few of us pastors like Pastor Brent Russett over at Asbury Free Methodist, your pastor, Dan. Um, it, it has been really exciting. Uh, we, we pray for the three leaders, for the three churches on a regular basis, and it's been encouraging to me personally um, to know that I, I, I could even open up and, and share things with these guys and not be judged. Um, and, and they love me and accept me. And, and I pray that that's, that would be the, um, the ethos of our churches working together. Uh, because as we are united, 
God will do amazing things through us. The world mocks and laughs when the church is broken apart. But when it is standing in unity, um, like I believe God is doing here, uh, it, it can accomplish amazing things for his kingdom. God bless you guys. And thank you, Pastor Dan, for asking for this. Uh, thank you for this opportunity to just share with you about the importance of unity and how it applies to me when I pray with the other pastors from the Lanark uh, County. And uh, whenever I am on a prayer call or a Zoom call with them, I'm encouraged because they're open and honest about what they're going through and we can pray for each other. And that's what really builds my spirit. Hello, friends at Northgate Fellowship. Hope you're keeping safe and well during this unique time we find ourselves in. Thankful that the Christian body is united as we serve one God, we have one faith, one hope. Pastor Dan and, and, and Amy, we love you. Keep leading and serving. Thanks for all your work. Hope to see you all soon in person. Blessings.